Thanks for tuning in to the CoLive podcast, where we explore learnings, insights, and discussions with co-living operators and professionals from around the world. If you're a first-time listener on our podcast, just a quick reminder that CoLive is the world's largest co-living association with the goal to connect, educate, and empower co-living professionals. Today's episode has been recorded during one of our monthly meetups, where we discuss a wide variety of topics related to co-living. To join our network or find out about future meetups and other events, please visit colive.org. That's C-O-L-I-V.org. And just as a quick reminder for our listeners, we have the 2021 Global CoLive Summit coming up on May 5th and 6th. There will be hundreds of co-living professionals joining this year's summit, where we'll have keynote speakers from across the world, covering topics from investment and business models, all the way to interior design and community facilitation. In our very humble opinion, it will be the best co-living event of the year. So go ahead and head on over to colivesummit.co, that's C-O-L-I-V, summit.co, to get your tickets. So without further ado, let's hop right in to today's episode. Well, welcome everybody. Uh, my name is Guy, I'm the director of Colif. It's a big pleasure to have you all here. I'm usually not that red. I don't know why the, 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 my light turns out like this, but trust me, I'm usually not the tomato type of guy. So, uh, big pleasure to meet you. Uh, today is a really, really super cool event uh, because it's Colif community is one of the core themes of, of co-living and also of co-live. Um, you know, I'm seeing that a lot of you are very familiar with co-live already. So instead of talking about uh, co-live as uh, an association for co-living professionals and our goals really to promote co-living, uh, I'd love to share with you uh, an update. And that update is around the upcoming Colif Summit. Uh, I'm curious here, who from this group has already heard that the Colif Summit is happening? Can you just raise your hand real quick? Okay, who already got the tickets? Ah, great, a few, but not enough. Let me share something with you. I'll tell you why you should get them. Um, there is, so you, you, you all might know, this is my WhatsApp, apologies for that. You all might know that Colif has been hosting a lot of events. We have hosted 100 events last year. Uh, more than 3,000 people came, and we decided that it is time to bring the entire industry together. Uh, very simply, we are calling this the Colif Summit. It's the third edition of it. This time, unfortunately, it can be physical, it has to be digital, but we committed to making this the best experience you will ever have. Why? Uh, th three or four main reasons. First, uh, we're gonna make this the biggest event. Uh, we're gonna bring in probably more than 500 co-living actors. We're aiming at 500. Right now, it seems like we're gonna go to six or 700. Uh, we're having all of our ambassadors from like 30 different countries promoting this. So it's gonna be an international event. It's gonna be two full days. And we're also gonna have the Co-Living Awards ceremony. I know that a lot of you here have applied to the Co-Living Awards and the Co-Living Awards are gonna ha be happening at the Co-Live Summit, which we're really excited about. Now, around the event itself, we decided to have a lot of content. So we have 70 different speakers. Here's just like a few of them. You can see, of course, Kelsey is going to be here. We're going to have 
people such as, for example, Susan from Cushman Wakefield, who are more from the institutional side or from JLL, but we're also going to have a lot of actors who are... I suppose because it's very all base, and we have one more now that is uh, consent, because consent is very, very important. Um, and we try to limit access to what we call plug and play. Uh, there is no people coming to Burning Man as you come to a, a resort in the Bahamas or whatever, and they think it's holidays. So the, some people buy uh, very expensive RVs and they gather in co-living that are commercial or commodified, as we say, and uh, they make you pay a lot of money, like, I don't know, 6,000, 10,000, and you have your RV, you even have your costumes, you have your food, everything is ready, and it's holiday. That's really not the way we see it. And those people can destroy the spirit of Benny Man if there are too many. Uh, it's difficult to limit the access to those people for a lot of reasons, but we're trying, and sometimes we play cat and mouse with them, but um, usually they're the mouse and we are the cat, so, so we, we can uh, manage that. But it, it's something that is, uh, it's uh, countering our culture, if you want to plug and play. And I strongly, strongly advise you not to come to a plug and play camp because you lose two thirds of the fun of Burning Man, which is the duocracy. Um, and how do our community resist the risk uh, waiting on them? Uh, we have identified those risks and we know the risk for us. We know that environment is a big risk and also a challenge because we want to respect the environment. We want to be sustainable. And it's hard to be sustainable when you bring 80,000 people in the desert. So we have thought about that and we have uh, built this uh, sustainability roadmap, which, I mean, you have to read it on the internet because it's 30 pages long, but to understand how we're going to bring energy, uh, renewable energy more, use more renewable energy and be more respectful of the land, even though we're very respectful already, but we want to be more. We have political issue with the Bureau of Land Management, which try to limit the event's uh, possibilities, but it's a bit hard to explain. And we want to as well preserve our culture, the 10 principle, but we want to enhance part of it. For example, in the inclusivity, we found out, some people found out that we, uh, we don't see and have enough BIPOC people, uh, people of color. Uh, there is some, but um, there is a group of um, BIPOC learners called Black Burners Project that is trying to enhance the presence and the visibility and the inclusion of BIPOC people. Um, because for historically there were less type of people in Burning Man and, and we want that to change. Then also there is this work on consent where Burning Man being a very free culture on uh, exchange, on uh, relationship, on sex, etc. we have had some issue with consent and this is very important for us to address that. So this is things we work on because the community bring it and the community told us we want to see that changing while preserving the principles. And then we have a land issue that we might not always be able to use this land that we use. So Burning Man bought a ranch, a big ranch. It won't be big enough to organize Burning Man if we need it, but it's a place where we can have alternative projects all year long, uh, presenting arts, maybe doing a co-living. <laughs> um, so it's, it's a very important project. Uh, sorry, it was a bit uh, fast and uh, intense. Um, I hope you you get 
the ideas I tried to um, to pass and do not hesitate with your questions. Thank you. Thank you very much, Isabel. Thank you, Isabel. Wow, what a great presentation. And I see a lot of parallels in, in co-living communities. So it's super interesting to hear, hear your perspectives and be able to make the, the connections. Thank you very much. Thank you. And, um, next up, next up we have Guy. Next up we have Guy, then we have uh, Ricardo and Sam. So I, we're, we're running a bit late, everybody. We've got such amazing content that the, the meetup is swelling a little bit longer than we expected. So thanks for hanging around a little bit later. And of course, if you have to dip out at the end, no worries, but uh, want to keep it as interesting as possible. So next, next panelists, do your thing. Really happy to, to have all of your great content and let's try to keep it concise and move on to our, uh, our Q&A at the end. So thank you, awesome. Guy, you want to take it away? Awesome, thank you. Yeah, I'll mm -hmm. try to I'll make it a bit shorter, uh, just so that like, I really want to give also space for Ricardo and Sam to, to showcase. Isabella was super, super interesting. There's so many parallels right now that I'd love to pick up during my own presentation. Um, and so uh, real quick, right now, I'm not going to talk to you as Guy from Colif, but more as Guy from Out of Co. Uh, my passion is to build community. I've been like building communities and uh, co-living spaces myself. And I've been questioning, asking myself how to build community. So really quick, uh, you know, what is community? I just want to make a big difference here between two things. So I kind of did this little drawing. Please excuse my, 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 my drawing skills. You know, on one side, it's like a lot of people tell me, hey, we have this big community. There are like 50 people living in this building. But frankly, there's no emotional connection. And that's what we're looking for in, in communities, right? It's people who identify themselves with each other and who actually think about each other, right? Uh, and who care about each other. And community shows up in the way that people commit and engage towards each other. So I'll share with you uh, three main concepts. And just before that, here's my magic formula. So for me, the way I think about community, meaning about this feeling of community is alignment minus different difference. So the job of a community builder is to create alignment between people and it's to reduce friction. It's to overcome these differences. And there's tools to overcome these differences so that people can focus on their commonalities, their shared vision, and their, their common projects. So three core concepts that I want to share with you today. The first one is it's really important to understand what I call the user community experience stages. Uh, and here I'm talking from a co-living perspective, but a lot of people focus only on, let's say, on the curation process or maybe on the a few events that are happening within the co-living space. But there's so many different stages that are equally as important from discovery. That means like, how do you present your brand? Are you attracting the right people? Do you communicate on your values to the curation? Do you have the right process? Do you have a vetting process in place? Do you actually talk to the people beforehand? You know, Isabel talked about uh, how it's important to to, uh, to keep out, what, how did you call them? Uh, you, you said playing cat, uh, mouse. Uh, and cat, cat and mouse. <laughs> yes, With the, yes. uh, the plug and play, the plug and play camp. Yeah. Plug and play, right? You don't want people who just come in because it looks cool. You want people who come in because they actually, they want to come in. Uh, not because it's convenient, but because they, they have a desire, right? And then important, onboarding. Uh, a lot of co-living operators miss out this step. It's really important to onboard your new members into your community, make them aware of your values, introduce them to the new members, make, explain them the rituals that you have in your space. And then you have the adaptation phase. This is the phase that's very important around 
uh, adapting a new member to your rituals, including them. Here you can do, for example, mentorships between old members and new members, right? And then there's the communal life. That is the the stage uh, where most people are during the, the co-living and offboarding and afterlife. Afterlife includes when the person goes away. We're going to talk about this in the panel. So that's the first thing. The second thing I want to share with you is the difference between top-down and bottom-up. And I'm really glad that these terminologies have been now picked up in the co-living scene um, since I wrote about them like around two years ago. The main difference here, and that is around involve your residents, involve your community members, right? There's three ways really that, that co-living right now operates. On one side, it's a do-it-yourself approach where people just come in, the operator gives the keys and it's like, okay, see you. There's no interaction between them. The second one, which is right now the predominant one, is the top-down approach. It's a management approach. Here it's the operator that decides what's happening to the residents. For example, they will decide that on Tuesday, we're going to do a margarita cocktail night and on Thursday, a salsa night. That is fine, but that doesn't give people ownership. Remember, Isabel mentioned uh, one of the key ways to involve your residents or to give this feeling of community is ownership. If people don't have ownership, they're not gonna identify themselves with the community and what's happening. And that's why I really encourage everyone to move to the third part. And that is being a facilitator. Listen to your residents, ask them what they want and enable them to create that within your community, within your experience. And for that, I'm sorry, I'm talking a lot. There's so much I wanna share with you today. Um, and for that, uh, we're, there's a few best practices that, that I'm going to just share real quick here with you. And it's going to be more detailed later on in the book, but we'll, we'll talk about it. And I want to listen to the other speakers, but mainly there, there are four main things that I recommend to do to overcome differences. One is like one, avoid the tragedy of the commons. Tragedy of the commons in co-living spaces is the dishes are dirty. It is people, uh, people leaving their things around and getting stressed. It is the, the fridge is getting a mess. There are strategies to overcome that. Think about that. The same thing, it's important that everybody knows the rules. Um, not only the, the rules in terms of sleeping hours, how many people can come in, but also soft rules in terms of how do we communicate to each other? How do we deal with conflict, right? Third, it's important to have rituals where people can express their fears. Kelsey mentioned uh, how we at Experience House, we had the system where we met once a week and we expressed, we could express uh, how we felt and, and the things that went wrong. Uh, if, if there's a space for, for residents to express that, then you're able to overcome these problems. And lastly, it's also very important to prepare for the worst. Uh, Co-living is a representation of society and in society, we do have a 1% or 0.1% of, of issues such as uh, heavy drug abuse, uh, sexual assault, uh, suicide. These things happen in co-living as well. And it's important to know how to handle them. Right? And lastly, once you've fixed this, right? Once you are able to overcome these tension points, now you can focus on how do I build alignment between people? And here, a few principles is speed up the integration process, onboard your residents, have a process for onboarding, for having them meet your values, your, your residents, um, uh, the community members and also uh, for involving them into the, into the experience. Second, have them invest into a common cause. Uh, it's, it's important that your residents also contribute to the space and have ownership. And that joins the involvement part. And the last part is it's important for everyone to co-create this vision. So have them, uh, have them express how they see the community and how they want to get involved. 
I'm going to stop here. It's time to create real communities. Thank you. And now I'd love to listen to the other speakers. And if you want to chat, let's, let's communicate in this main chat here. Thank you so much. Thank you, Guy. Look, really excited about your book. Can you drop a link in the, in the chat where people can find the, more information about this? Definitely. Thank you. I have a quick yeah, question. Excellent. All right. Yeah. Uh, what's the business model? How, how does this company make money? Which company? Uh, the, the, burning, the burning idea. Like when you get the community together, do they have to pay like a membership of any kind? Who's handling the operational side? Like you guys have to secure a location, so you must have money. The burning man, you mean? Yes. Yeah, sorry. Oh, yeah, the business model is easy. Uh, there is a ticket for sale around $400 for the week. Uh, and for that, you have the access to the space, the porta potties, um, and uh, the security, uh, basic security. Uh, and that's it. Uh, the rest you have to bring yourself and to with your co-living partners. They're called uh, theme camps. Uh, is, so the, we, is the land is the land lease or owned? Yeah, yeah. The land is leased with this money. Sorry, the money is for the land mostly. If someone if someone has land, can we use their land for this operation? And is there permitting required? Because it sounds like you guys are going around permitting. Yeah, yeah, no, it's not permanent. It's temporary. It's only one. It's only two. I mean, the, the land is rented for two months or three months. Uh, no, I mean like the, permanent, permitted through the government, through permanent through the state government. It is permitted by the government because it's on the Bureau of Land Management uh, field. I mean, uh, land. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, Ricardo. I'd love to to hear you take it away. Hey. Hello, everyone. Uh, let me share my screen here. I'm going to try to do as fast as I can also to have some space for the next speaker. And I'm going to have to say Guy just facilitated a lot for me because he gave all the theoretical, uh, the structure of my, my, my talk here for you guys. Uh, everyone see my, my presentation? Yep, you're great. Yeah, okay. So uh, I'm going to talk about just one point of the, the topic today is, is about cultivating authentic communities uh, and awesome communities, actually. Um, we have been working with co-living for the last four years. Uh, and I have to say, it's easy when you have, when you have such an amazing tribe and people all uh, ready to engage in uh, activities and um, housing experience as we have our members. So uh, we do the, the co-living in a more intense way. We have shared, big shared apartments, which is these ones. We have a, a penthouse of 13 rooms, another, another house of, of 11 rooms and a building of uh, 21 rooms. So it's uh, every member has its own room. Every member has has to share kitchens, has to share the living room. And we usually have 99% of our members, they are local, they are from Brazil, they're not foreigners. And they usually live for at least six months with us. So we don't have those short-term uh, experiences from other co-living uh, companies. And, and give that, that gives a lot of more intense um, uh, experience of sharing a house. 
with a group of people you didn't know before. So our learnings in these four years of co-living is that um, each house has their own personality. It's, al it's almost like a Net Netflix series. Um, it, it has their own season. And as members get in and, and members get out, it changes the, 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 the energy of the house and your community manager and the brand has to know how to deal with the moment of each house of the co-living um, it has. The sense of belonging, we, we usually see that depends more on intangible aspects, uh, but also the tangible aspects are still important. Like we usually see that members that can um, furniture the room, can paint the room, they feel a lot more uh, the sense of ownership of the experience becomes better, but usually the intangible aspects are more uh, profound for them to feel belonging to that community. Uh, we have seen that having a house leader as a, as a guide uh, resident is a great way to build, exchange, create a lot of projects with them, as Guy just told about um, in his presentation. So we, we usually talk with him or her first to negotiate, create, and do surprises for our members and even create projects for ourselves, uh, for the, for the, the co-living uh, company. Um, we have seen that also the fourth point, the smaller the co-living gets, the quieter it gets, as the opposite is also true. We have co-livings of five units, uh, five rooms, and we have also co-livings of 21 rooms. And we have seen that people usually coming to live in the bigger in the bigger co-livings, uh, as as the time as the time pass go by, uh, they want to they want to change the to a quiet experience because they already had some intense experience in the bigger ones. So they have the option to change and get a little more intimate and private in the smaller co-livings. As Guy also tell as also told in his presentation, you have to be, the, the fifth point, you have to be ready to talk about really personal and serious topics. We have seen cases of depression, uh, anxiety attacks um, going around, especially in the pandemic. So our community managers uh, has to intervene and has to talk with the psychiatrist, has to talk with the family to know how to deal with that situation. And, and, and build the right approach. Uh, six, the six point, free food and free drinks never fail. Don't, don't ever uh, underestimate the, the power of bringing people together with food. Uh, we do monthly meetings, meetings of, of each house with pizza nights. So that's the moment uh, that the members we can talk about the experience and use like non-violent communication um, uh, techniques to tell how the, the experience is going. But also with the food, you always get more attention and more than drinks. And um, seven, the last point, give back to the local community. We, we can say that that's really a, a secret sauce from Oka. We usually, we usually do a lot of um, projects with our members. So we, we do our best to engage our residents 
to to do projects outside and inside the co-living bubble to exchange with the the society and this is what this is a few of the projects we did internally so we talk about toxic masculinity we did an impact report we did some challenges some bathroom and music video challenge between our co-living units and all of these uh, and we have a mini reality show coming up in the the next months uh, all of these projects they came they came from our community and they're being executed with the help of them and that gives that gives us um, an advantage advantage and a lot of um, help to finish them in a more authentic way but I have to say that something that we are really uh, passionate about is al also giving back to the local community so uh, we do that in two ways um, our residents cook weekly meals for the homeless population. And we, as Oka, we, the company, we supply the food and we do the delivery weekly. And our residents and also our team of, um, of office volunteer, volunteer on activities for children in vulnerable ways. You can see here my community manager dressed as a minion cartoon and my commercial manager dressed as a fluffy yellow orange tiger. And we do that in like in a monthly, weekly basis. So that's why, that's how we think that we can make our community more useful and more um, self-aware of the social impact of them in the world. That's my, um, that's my, presentation for you guys. Um, I'm happy to give uh, more time and um, I have with the answers after. Thank you. Thank you, Ricardo. Really great project. Great work. Really cool to see in action the, the work that you're doing. Thank you. Okay, so now we have up Mr. Birthday Man, Sam Kern, to tell us about Experience House. Sam, you ready to, to join us? Happy birthday. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Great. All right. Let me unpin Ricardo. Um, Bryce, can you unpin Ricardo and pin Sam, please? Yeah. Nobody is pinned right now. Sam, Sam, Sam. You're still muted, Sam. Okay. <laughs> FYI. Ah, okay, cool. Sorry, can you guys see these slides? Yes, that works. Cool, cool. You can see me on a on a makeshift stage with an experience house banner. Yes, and, yes, and the spotlight. Cool, too. awesome, great. All right, I'll be quick. Um, so Guy and I first connected around co living because I think for me and for him, uh, co living is a, a pretty unique opportunity. To, to not only just have a shared living environment and to build a sense of community tribe, but to actually um, have a group of people come together and have this sort of sense of collective acceleration, of a life acceleration, of acceleration in your career. Um, I believe really strongly that you're the average of the people that you spend time with. And so Experience House and, and this whole concept is based around that idea. Um, so that on top of the sort of remote work revolution means that for the first time in history, you can basically gather 
any group of people in the world, any select group of people in the world together for an extended period of time. And so that's super powerful just in itself. Um, so I believe very strongly that the, the future of co-living is niche. And um, I'm going to show you sort of what we did here with Experience House and kind of the formula that I think made it work. Um, so, cool. So the first thing was, um, as, as Kelsey shared, the people being really everything. Um, we had about 65 people apply. Uh, we ended up, the final amount, including organizers, was 23 people. Um, so we spent an enormous amount of time and energy um, interviewing people, really trying to figure out what are people's unique gifts and talents? What can they bring um, to the table? What is their industry? How is that going to pair with other people? And like, what is the energy that they bring to the mix? Um, so we just took a lot of time to, to try to really get that right. And I think it's something that we nailed. People. Um, the other thing is an environment that's optimized for collective thriving. Um, so, um, we had some issues cause we were in the jungle of Guatemala with Wi-Fi, but in general, the idea is that like the foundation of like, like food is covered, chef prepared meals, you know, fast Wi-Fi, uh, you know, a productive co-working space. Um, you know, in our case, we were super spoiled and we had, you know, a Temescal sauna. Um, so that's, you know, part of the idea is like a space that sort of invites and encourages human thriving. And we do that in part through the actual space and in part through like the programming and the way that we structured the month. The other big thing is an aligned intention. So the theme of Experience House was bring, bringing together experiential designers, event producers, and community builders, um, coming together to co-create and to reimagine how we gather and connect in a post-COVID world. So everyone who, who opted into this experience like understood the reason that we were all gathering. And I think that was like super important. Um, with the aligned intention, and it's sort of like, what is the mission of why we're all gathering? But then with that, these sort of cultural principles of, of co-creation, of, of ask offer, where it's like really everyone who was there was just so generous in the way that they, they um, contributed their skills and their talents. Um, people booked time with one another to, to do one-on-ones. We, we hosted mastermind events. Um, the left here is, you know, we did all, basically all the programming was co-created. So we basically said like, here's the spaces, here's the calendar, fill it with whatever you'd like. And so, you know, we did talks and experience design. Um, this is Max teaching a workshop, um, Johnny teaching a queen bee game, which is sort of like a, um, sort of like an ask offer mastermind session. Um, so what's really amazing about this format is like, if we as organizers had tried to program all of this stuff, like, first of all, the ideas that we come up with just wouldn't be as interesting or amazing. And, the amount of energy and work that went into all the events um, is something that we, just, we wouldn't have been able to have the bandwidth for. And the other big thing is, is time spent together. So, you know, unlike a, a conference or even a retreat where you just have maybe, you know, two to five days with each other, you know, conferences also often feel very rushed and hurried and it's often very transactional and quick. And with this you have an entire month or ideally I actually think a longer period is best you have longer periods of time you have all these moments in between to really build quality relationships and so that I think really leads to a sense of tribe and community um, but it also even like a, from a professional standpoint I mean we have people who are part of the house who are now collaborating on big business projects um, and in part I think that's because there's a sense of trust that that is created right Everyone has like enough overlapping industries that it's like, you've just spent a month, month with someone, you've gone through crazy stuff together, you've climbed a volcano together. 
Um, there's a sense of just of, of tribe and connection and family. And I think that leads to, um, yeah, just like really positive collaborations and things that come from that. So here, you know, we created like this love on wall where people were writing, you know, things that they love about each other in a public way. Um, just a lot of like care and love was created over the course of a month. So for me, that's, that's kind of like the basic formula. And so people, an optimal environment, an aligned intention, and then just a long period of time spent with one another, I think leads to magic. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of, this was our, our first kind of rollout of Experience House, and we're looking at doing uh, future iterations of this. So happy to answer any questions, but that's the gist. Nice. Thank you, Sam. And then I'd like to, can you hear me now? Thank you, Sam. That was amazing. I can attest all of those things are true. I just lived in it. Uh, really great to, to see you put it all together. Um, Matt, just really quickly, do you have anything that you wanted to add? Um, I'd love to, 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 to allow you a second to say hello. Matt is the founder of Nomadic Six, who was the operator for Experience House, co-founder with Sam. Um, Matt, let's see where you're at here. Can you hear me? Am I on? Yes. Cool. Hey, Sam. Great job. Wonderful. Sam summed it up. That was <laughs> like 100% what Experience House was. Um, I think the big thing that I, you know, take away from it and definitely enjoyed about it, even just as somebody participating in it myself, um, it's the, is the, it was the freedom to play. You know, the freedom to, much like in the Burning Man theology of it's a, it's a free space to experiment and explore but also just to kind of relax and deconnect you know I think the biggest part about it was it, it was the first time a lot of us have been in a group setting since before COVID so having a spoken word poetry performance was the first performance any of us have been to in a year having dinner parties was the first time we've had a dinner party in a year so um, kind of setting that intention to create a COVID safe space but also be with other people was so uh so healthy, I think, for even as us as organizers, uh, I, I think we benefited from it as well. So that's that's kind of the beauty of uh, what co-living is. And like Sam said, surrounded by, uh, you are the whoever you're surrounded by. And I very much loved everyone that was there. So it was fantastic. Very nice. Thank you uh, thank both. You, thank you both. And I'm, I'm really, yeah, thank you. Let me unpin. Great. So I'm really conscious about time. I know we're I know we're running over. Maybe what, does anybody have any questions in the audience that they'd like to they would like to ask to our panelists? I know I had some pre-prepared questions, but the 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 presentations have really answered many of the the questions that I had. So I'd love to just take one minute to open up the space to any questions that maybe some of you have uh, that you'd like to ask the panelists. Yes, I have a question. Or Fabrice, did you? Yeah. Okay, let's see. Let me see. Who's Walter? Is that you? Yeah. He hello, everybody. My question is just for the Experience House. How, how important is it that this was really in, in the middle of nowhere, right? In, in this, uh, I, I still have the, the picture in mind, which Guy, Guy um, sent a few weeks ago. So how important uh, in the middle of nowhere, in, in your eyes? 
So this conversation always comes up about doing urban versus rural co-living experiences. And I'd say the biggest benefit of doing a rural version, uh, out in the jungle version, is we are each other's stimulus. We almost rely on each other for our growth, for our engagement, for our fun. Uh, while as if we were in the city, there's a lot more distraction. You know, there's easier for people to get drawn out into some other events, some sites, some programs within the, you know, the town. The benefit, obviously, being in an urban center is your logistics are taken care of, you know, transportation's a lot easier, Wi-Fi's solid, et cetera, et cetera, but you're not getting the same um, focus that you get in a rural uh, community. Thank you. I agree with that. It's well said. Yeah. Thank you. And then we have quite a, maybe just while we're here with Sam and, and Matt, mm. we had a couple of questions about the curation process, how to select the right people. I think this is a real bottleneck in looking at many um, very commercially viable co-living spaces or, or more scalable co-living spaces is this idea of how do we invest the right amount of time curating people while also having the objective to fill, to fill beds and to fill rooms to make the business model work. So can you guys shed a little bit of light on the curation process of the community? Um, and then maybe we can also open that up to, to, to the whole group, to Guy and to, to Ricardo and to, to Isabel about this idea of curation of a community. Yeah. Um, okay, so I guess I could speak on that. First of all, I'll just say like curation is hard um, because it's time intensive and it's also like you're telling people that are amazing, no, um, which is, is, is really hard too. But I think like you have to sort of trust that you're looking out for what is going to be the best group experience and and really being like firm on that and really making sure that there's a balance of like energies and and um, and talents and contributions. Um, I, the way so the way like my framework for it was like first like industry, like is there sort of alignments on like what what they do in their work and does that sort of like align with the theme of the house? Um everyone in this house in particular was like thought leaders in the world of experience design and community building. So like, that's one of it. And then I ask a bunch of questions to myself too. Like, does this person inspire me? Um, is this person someone I'd want to make famous? Um, does this person, yeah, like bring something really unique to the table. Uh, and then other than that, it's kind of like also looking at the specific, especially for something like this, when it's really this co-created gathering, looking at specific skills and talents, Right. So it's like, okay, we know we want someone who, um, you know, even small things like we want a yoga teacher, a part of it, right. Cause it's going to be co-created. We want, you know, someone who, um, knows how to set up a stage and run AV, um, just, you know, things like that. Um, and then other than that, it's sort of just like, sort of like energetically, like do, you know, does it feel like there's like synergy in, in, in myself and the person and do it feel like they would, they would mix with the group. So I understand that like this type of thing is sort of the extreme end of curation where it was just like an enormous amount of time and energy put into it. And I am also very like interested and curious on how to find models for curation that are um, a little bit more um, don't rely on like a single person like myself in this case being the curator uh, where it's more like I think once the once the tribe is kind of developed, I think there's ways of of having systems where where different people can can be a part of that curation process. Thanks, Sam and uh, Isabel or or Ricardo. Do you have any comments on curation and the curation of the community and its importance? If you don't mind, I, I love to go in five minutes. So uh, 
it's easy for us because we're not doing the curation. The team camps are doing the curation. And uh, so we have like a 3,000 team camp and everybody select whoever he wants to see. A, B, the place itself curates itself. I means not everybody can live for a week in the desert, uh, you know. And C, uh, there is so many people that want to come to Burning Man now that um, there is also this, this third ticket sold to people that do something. So a third of tickets go to I Have a Project candidates and the two third else goes to lottery so we have inclusion so everybody is included our idea is not to curate people that come to burning man our idea is to change the world so <laughs> uh, you take we, we take whoever we have and we try to um, make them burners so that's different isabel before you go i had a big question for you can Colive members can join Burning Man this year? Yeah, sure, you can. You know, tickets will be on sale and uh, here it goes. Now, I don't know, we have a big speech on the 10th of April. It's on the network, so everybody's invited. Uh, Mayan Godel, which is uh, Burning Man CEO, will speak. Or probably on Zoom or something. You go you go on Burning Man's site, you go on French Burner's site, you'll have the Zoom link and everybody's uh, invited to join. Uh, actually, it won't be on Zoom. We are on Zoom. You're going to be on uh, probably some Facebook Live or something. And uh, and then she's going to tell us more about uh, where we stand for 2021 organization. But more probably, she won't, dis she won't let us know now if there's going to be a Burning Man in 2021. She will just say where we stand on organization at this stage. Final decision is probably a bit further down. Uh, but looks kind of likely that it can happen. It's end of August. A lot of Americans are vaccinated already. Um, knowing if foreigners can go to the U.S. is another question. But again, we're talking end of August. The only uh, problem is when you get to get organized, like buy tickets or buy materials or join a camp. Uh, yeah, of course, you need to organize ahead. So it's this uncertainty is not easy to manage. But um, I'm confident and I'd yeah. like to see you guys on the playa. Mm. Okay, Isabel, thank you so much for joining us. It was an amazing presentation. You added so much to our discussion around community. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Forward I'm happy to, to have met you guys. Yeah. Thank you. I'm Kelsey. I also am going to have to go. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, I think we're going to move towards, we're going to move towards wrapping up, right? So you just share the end of the, the, sli okay. the, the slide and let's give a, a nice round of applause and another happy birthday to Sam. Thanks for sharing your amazing project you. with us, Matt, as well. Thank you, Thanks for having us. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Okay. Very nice. I think we just have one more slide at the end. I'm uh, just going to wrap up with, uh, with a big thank you to all of our panelists. We've already said goodbye to Isabel and to Sam. Thank you to Ricardo and to Guy for joining us, for sharing all of these insights about community building. Uh, thank you guys so much. Uh, and then next, just a quick, uh, quick slide to talk about if you're interested in joining as a CoLive member. Uh, here is the website where you can join our community. Um, this is a, a link to a 10-week onboarding program that's really exciting to get to understand the key people, key resources, and bus business benefits of working in the co-living industry. 
Uh, you can check all of that out on colive.org, community.colive.org. There's a membership package. There's a great special going on with the Colive Summit happening. If you buy a ticket to the summit, you have a one-year membership. So come one, come all, join our community, please. It's a wonderful opportunity to stay connected and to support the, the amazing growth of this very nascent industry uh, and to support the work of, especially uh, the hard work of all the ambassadors and Guy. So there we are, May 5th and 6th, we have the Global Co-Living Summit. Uh, for our France community, we're going to try to hold something in person, if possible, COVID permitting. I'll keep everyone up to date with that as we get a little bit closer. The event will be virtual, so no, no fears of the event being postponed. Everything's available online. Uh, and then our next meetup here uh, in this format will be June 10th, uh, June 10th, and we'll, we'll release more information about that soon. Um, Fabrice, any closing any closing words, or should we say good goodbye to these beautiful humans on our on our Zoom chat? Yes, I guess the next meeting is during the summit. Please join, take your tickets. You have the link in the chat, and we we'll, we wait everybody to this uh, big party of Colive all together. Thank you. And uh, thank you also, Fabrice and Kelsey. Big round of applause to you guys. You're amazing. These meetups are incredible. Today was just like fabulous. Thank you, Ricardo, Sam, and Matt. It was really, really, really high quality. Thank you. This is gold. This is true gold. Nice. Great to see so many faces. I also just dropped in the chat the link to our France community WhatsApp group. So feel free to join. Everybody pipes in, shares news. It's a great place to be. All right, everyone. Thank you so much. Have a great evening and we'll see you at the summit. Thanks again for joining us today. And from all of us here at CoLive, we hope you learned a lot and maybe even picked up a few pieces of wisdom to help expand the co-living movement. To check out the CoLive membership that will allow you to connect with other leading co-living professionals or even just to stay updated on future podcasts and upcoming events, head over to colive.org. Again, that's co-liv.org. Thanks again for tuning in, and we look forward to having you back for our next episode. Mm -hmm.